You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Well, it's good to see you on Labor Day weekend. Happy Labor Day, Pastor Rick. As I came into the parking lot, I was hoping somebody would show up today. (laughs) The last three-day weekend, what? Yeah, for 2016. Mm -hmm. Well, we're looking at prayer. We started last week looking at prayer. Try to encourage you as, as we're developing prayer. I don't know, do you find, did you have a really good week this week? Anybody get an hour a day in prayer? Anybody? Getting there. Okay, getting there. It's, it's kind of like, man, when you preach on prayer, it's like all of a sudden the grace to pray just gets evaporated right out of the room. <laughs> you preach on worship and worship's doubly dead or something like, you know, it's like, what is this? You know, that it seems like whatever we, we get intentional about, that's where the enemy comes in and tries to do his best sabotage at the very inception of, of the thrust. And so as, as we look at prayer, I wanna encourage you, uh, don't despise the day of small beginnings. If, if, if you're not able to persevere in prayer, this isn't a contest. This is a relationship. We're, we're pursuing a relationship with Jesus, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit, and we're doing that through just communication. We're spending time with them. And uh, I, I, I can't remember who it was, but somebody came up after last week, and it was a revelation. You know, if, if, if you want to develop a, a deep, intimate relationship with somebody, you got to spend time with them. And when you're spending time with them, you can't be doing all the talking. <laughs> yeah. You got you to gotta be there. It's got to be a two-way communion. It's got to be a give and take. You got to listen. You got to share some stuff from, from your heart, but you got to listen so that you can hear his heart. So as we're looking at, at the prayer, it's like, what is prayer? Why is it that we do it? Well, prayer is really all about relationship. You know, there's all sorts of things that you can read about techniques and forms, and do we pray in the name of Jesus or in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit? Do we, you know, you can get lost in all the, uh, the details of how the ritual should be. But if it's ritual, it's probably coming up short in relationship. That's why I love it when, when new, newborns just come to, to the Lord Jesus and, and they're so alive in, in their conversation. It's not cleaned up yet. They haven't got religious yet. You know, they're just talking the way they've talked all their life, but they're talking to Jesus. And, and as, they're, as they're talking, it's just coming out and the four-letter words fly and all this kind of stuff. But you know what? They're talking from their heart. They're talking to him and he's not upset at all. He receives it because he loves it. He loves authentic communication. He probably loves that more than our flowery, flowery, yeah, flowery religious prayers where we get everything out there and stuff like that. He wants the language of our heart. He wants it to come forth as we are speaking and as we're praying to him. So as we look at it, we look at the first step as, as praise And these are not steps that you have to follow. These are just suggestive. And we're looking at some of the dynamics, 12 different dynamics to prayer. And and last week we we touched upon praise. I want to just kind of 
speak a little more on praise, and then we'll move to number two, which is the hardest, I think. Praise is a way of life. The Westminster Catechism explains that the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. No sweat. Mm. Glorify God and enjoy Him forever and ever. Something that begins today and never ends. Never ends. Praise helps the believer achieve this chief end. of enjoying God forever. We're going to jump a slide to praise, number one. In praising God, we declare His sovereignty and recognize His nature and power. Praise is an act of expressing one's esteem of a person for his virtues and accomplishments. So when you're thinking about praising, this is, this is the focus of what we're doing. It's pronouncing that the Lord is worthy of honor. It's where we're coming and we're looking at who he is in his essence. We're looking at what he has accomplished and achieved. And we're, we're focusing on that and we're getting lost in the goodness of his name. In, I'm, not, I'm not a French-speaking person, but uh, preser, the, the French word for prize, you guys got that? Okay, come on. To prize is, uh, is to praise God or to praise God. And it, it's the French word for praise. And so, so we see that it's prizing the Lord. It's really having such a, an and a, a just being in connected to him in such a way that you elevate, you esteem, you prize the wonderfulness of God. The word means to value, esteem, and to cherish something or someone. Mm. So in our times of, of praise and worship, we're cherishing the esteemed name of the Lord. We're ch- cherishing his person, his presence. Um, I go through the sanctuary oftentimes and I just sing this little little song. Nobody's here, so nobody ever really criticizes me. I think the Lord loves it. But I, I sing that I love, I love, I love your presence. You know, and, and it keeps repeating. I love, I love, I love your presence. I love, I love, I love you, Jesus. I love, I love, I love your presence. And man... It almost sounds as good in here as it does in the shower. But when there's nobody here in these walls and it just echoes back and forth, you know, where, where we get before the Lord and, and we're able to express our heart to him, we're able to communicate how much we prize him, how much we esteem him, how much we cherish his presence. His presence means everything to me. Without his presence, I'm undone. It's just game over. I've, I've done religion way too long. Religion without presence, forget it. Presence with religion or without religion is good. Presence is always good. Presence will always make it. So the first step in world-changing prayer 
is to spend time praising the Lord. And if you go through these 12 things and you kind of attach five minutes to each one, you'll be through 60 minutes in, in no time. However, I, I think you'll find that if you face this, for some of us that have been raised in church all our lives, we got to get out of that regiment and out of that mindset that says, I got to do five minutes here and I got to do five minutes here. No, you, you start, you get in his presence, you get, you praise, you, you bring, you know, he manifests the praises of his people. Praise and presence kind of go hand in hand. As his presence comes, then let, let your love, let your heart dictate what happens next, okay? So I give these as just some suggestions. Susie, if you go back to slide three, this, this kind of shows you the 12. Uh, this is Dick Eastman's little praying one hour that changes the world. And so he, he puts these up of, of, of this. And so today we're gonna get through, all the way through number two. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay, so we'll get going. Matter of fact, you know, since, since uh, Sockham, since we've done the School of Kingdom Ministry, uh, the wonderful, wonderful ministry that comes out of our Urbana Vineyard with Putty Putman, as, as we've done that, I find that my theology, theologies change. So how I approach number three really is, is quite different. Part number three is confession. And if, if, if you've got some stuff that, you, you know, you're feeling pretty heavy about, feel free to just articulate that and lay it at the foot of Jesus. But too often it's, it's been that, you know, when I've been in prayer and it's been confession, that's kind of like where you beat yourself up and you look for things that you can say, I'm such a worm, I'm such a dirty, rotten person, you know, what am I supposed to do? And we find that as, as really the righteousness of Christ has done so much and as we've, we've been enwrapped, enshrouded in, in, in his righteousness as, as that has come, I'm, I'm looking at number three. We get there. I'm going to teach you uh, of confessing. Confessing is, it literally means to say the same thing. And you need to say the same thing that Jesus is saying over you. But I don't think Jesus is saying, you dirty, rotten sinner, for most of us. If, if you've been bought by the blood and you've in relationship and you're in, a, in a, a continuous relationship with Jesus that's updated, you're probably going to have to say the same thing of what Jesus is saying. And as praise and as waiting, you're in a position to hear. And then you can start confessing those things that are true that Jesus is saying. Is that clear as mud? Got that? I think that would take us a lot farther than us navel-gazing and beating ourselves up and looking at ourselves as such worms, the worm theology, and, and realize we're sons and daughters of the Most High. And from there, let's see what the Holy Spirit will give us to say from that place. So as we're making this change and we're doing praise, we've got to set aside some time for, for prayer. Get intentional. And when you do that, I always think start with praise. I think that's a great way to start. Right just, just start loving on the name of Jesus. Just thanking him, exalting him, praising him for who he is. Here's a couple other things that they have here. Uh, your theme for praise, such as God's righteousness, his word, or his creative acts. 
drawing upon those, then declare vocally all that God is on, on any one of those. You can spend a lot of time just praising the Lord. But as you, as you get that, the key here is verbalizing it. This is a time to get real demonstrative in your praise. This is the time where you can, you can really declare with passion from your heart who the Lord Jesus is. And we all have different temperaments. We all have different personalities. And for the nice little phlegmatic that's real passive, they might scourge, you know, that they might stir up enough zeal in the Lord and say, praise the Lord. Dying old bite. And that's good, wherever you're at. But for, for some that are more of the expressive temperaments, you're going to get loud. Whoa. And that's okay. Sometimes you need to find a place where you can get loud. One of the principles of prayer is that the, the more private the prayer time, the more private the location, the more intimate you can be. Okay? So if, if, if you really want to get to a place where you can really find a place that's really their sense of private. That's why I think in the New Testament, Jesus called it your prayer closet. You know, if you go into your prayer closet, then you can just let it all out. Now, your prayer closet could be a room or it could be a, a place in creation, out in nature, out, out there where, you know, you don't have to worry about anybody but the deer, the squirrels, the birds, the bees, that kind of thing. And, and there, declare your praise, your adoration to the Lord. But it's verbally, so we want to get verbal here, okay? And then after that, allow God to reveal more themes of worship as your time of praise develops. There's, there's an infinite number of themes that the Lord will release. That's why I want to encourage you to get your prayer journal to write down, because so, during these times, especially as we get to waiting and as we get to listening, the Lord's going to be speaking and you'll need to be recording these things that are coming. And plus, take note of what has a sense of, of God's presence on it and stay there. You know, don't, don't you know, if, if you're in the midst of praise and God's showing up and you're having wonderful, say, okay, I got to shut this down because I got step number two. No. Stay right where the anointing is. Stay where his presence is. You know, if it takes you 12 hours to get through them, that's good. No, just relax. If, if you've only got an hour, just stay right where the anointing is. Okay? Number two is waiting. <laughs> the old Franciscan monk, Madame Guyon, came up and, and declared, you know, I'm, I'm having trouble connecting with God. And this is what he said to her. Your efforts have been unsuccessful because you have sought without only what you can find within. Accustom yourself to seek God in your heart and you will not fail to find him. You hear this a lot. People come and they, they're, they're not able to connect with God. They, they, they can't find God. They feel like they're all alone and they can't figure out where God... They're reading, they're, they're doing their religious exercises, and yet they're not. And, and the key here to finding God is, is really from your heart. 
The only exception of this would be the dark night of the soul. And that's not real common among our day-to-day -day experience. It is a reality, though. We do have those times where the presence, our awareness of the presence of God seems to be so uh, disconnected that, that it feels like he's not there. But we know that he's there, but we're just not able to be aware of his presence. And you know what I'm going to say, don't you? How many have heard this a zillion times? I've got to say it again. It's an upgrade time. When you're going through the dark night of the soul, it's, it's, it's a time of turmoil. It's a time of trauma. It's a time of, of deep, disturbing stuff. But it's, it's, it's going to another level of intimacy in your prayer life with God. When you hit the dark night of the soul, I likened it to uh, if, if you're trying to get your pilot's license, you can only fly VFR. That's when there's so many miles of visible uh, visibility that you can see for miles and miles and miles. When, when you're first starting in your license, your, your private pri pilot license, that's all you can do is you can only go up when it's good weather. But if you're going to go up when it's bad weather, you got to have your instrument certification. And to fly in bad weather, you have to know how to use your instruments. And when they're training you for that, they're usually taking you up on good days at first, but you have a hood, you have a shield, you can't see out the windows. All you can see is your instruments, and you got to learn how to fly and how to navigate with only looking at your instruments. Spiritually, what are your instruments? Holy Spirit, the Word, the Bible, okay? Faith, everything that's in your history that you know is true about God. Those are, that, that's your instruments. That's what you have to fly with. And then as, as, you, as you get and you get your instrument certification, then if you want to go to St. Louis, it doesn't matter what the weather is. You can get in your plane and you can fly. Now, many times you go through a dark night of the soul because you're in the midst of something. Sometimes you go through the dark night of the soul because God's preparing you for a storm that's about to come. And so you've got to get your certification. You've got to fly with a hood on to where you don't get the tinglies of his presence and the warm fuzzies of, of, of him being right there, but you're flying without all of that because pretty much sometimes when the storm hits, it's amazing how all of a sudden our whole focus is on the storm and our eyes are off the Lord. And so this is, this is important flying, important train, training for us if, if we're going to fly in turbulent times. And I think we are. Anybody get a feeling that maybe there's a storm brewing? Yeah, okay, good enough. We'll leave that there. So we're waiting and Madame Guyon figured it out. Um, some of these people you don't know, I doubt if you know Bridget Herman, says if we read the, the biographies of, of great and wise people, we'll find that the people 
were people of long silences and deep ponderings. Whatever vision of power, of genius, there was in their work was wrought in silence. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed some of the, your best thoughts and ideas come when you're silent? Hmm. When we turn to the inner circle of spiritual masters, the men and women, not necessarily gifted or distinguished, to whom God was living, bright reality was supernaturalized their everyday life and trans, transmuted their homeliest actions into sublime worship. We find that their roots were stuck deep in the soil of spiritual silence. The men that I know that seem to walk in another dimension in their relationship with God have always been men of silence and men of prayer. They spend a lot of time with the Lord and they spend a lot of time listening and waiting for him. Mm. The ministry of waiting we find in the scriptures, Psalm 52, 9 says, I will praise you forever because you have done it. In the presence of your saints, I will wait on your name for it is good. Hallelujah. Psalm 62, 1. Truly my soul silently waits for God. From him comes my salvation. In Psalm 130, verse 6, My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. Hmm. And then the one that we all love, Isaiah 40, 31. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Mm -hmm. I always look at that. When I'm starting to faint and I'm a little wobbly, <laughs> have I been waiting? Or have I been going ahead of the Lord? Yeah. Waiting for the Lord is basically the silent, the silent surrendering of the soul to God. Hmm. You know, when, when we wait on the Lord, sometimes we, we look at waiting as passive. We look at it as, as something, well, I'm waiting. Like we're waiting for our number to be called at the driver's license branch. You know, we're waiting. We're waiting for our order to get done. And, and we're just there. Today, we're usually on our smartphone, doodling, playing a game, checking out Facebook, whatever. But, but we're doing something because as, as, we don't want to waste time. You know, waiting is wasted time oftentimes. <laughs> but the, John Bizzagno says, waiting upon God requires our entire being. It's not drifting into daydreaming. If he's writing today, he would add, or playing on your cell phone but it is rather an exercise that demands our keenest attention, our most alert frame of mind, and of all our soul's attention to the heavenly voice. Mm. So here's a little contrast. Praise and, and waiting are so closely related. Praise leads to waiting. But here's, here's just a couple things to look at. Praise is verbalizing our esteem of God. Waiting is a time of silent love. 
prays, cries boldly, God, I see these excellent qualities in your nature. Waiting says softly, God, I love you. I love this diamond commercial. It says it better than anything I've seen. I've tried to communicate it to you. I found it on YouTube. This is a cute play. Minimize it. Okay, just keep going over praise because this is, this is the atmosphere that I've been working to create. There we go. That's praise. That's waiting. <laughs> what a contrast. Sure First time I saw that, it moved my heart, and it was on a regular commercial. Well, this is what a, a seasoned elderly saint once said. Well, I always begin my day with a good season of prayer. In fact, I pray till I can't pray anymore. And then I take my Bible and read it until I can't read anymore. And after that, I take my hymn book off the shelf and I sing till I can't sing anymore. Then I just sit quietly and let God love me. And that's what we're, we're trying to accomplish in prayer. All of these exercises are just getting us to a place where we connect with his love. Where we're able to express and reciprocate the love that we've received and position ourselves in a place where we can receive even more of his love. So that's our focus. Getting to that place where we can receive more and more the love of God. Being alone with God is the central issue of waiting. That's why we look for solitude. That's why we look for the safe places, the private places, so that we can be alone with God. Because prayer is not about asking for everything. It's, it's about a relationship. And relationship that's reciprocal, where we speak, where we listen, where he speaks. And he listens. Hmm. For now, we simply surrender our hearts to the Lord in quiet love. Here we find the true focus of waiting. All attention must center on God. And that's why the psalmist tells us, be still and know that I am God. 
one of my beloved seminary professors at Asbury, Don Demeray, he wrote, the point of prayer is to get God. Answers are most meaningful when they are thought of least. Prayer is most meaningful when God is thought of most. Once again, it's the focus of our conversation. Ralph Herring says, only a sovereign God can inspire prayer and only a sovereign God can answer it. A man's concept of God therefore determines the depth of his prayer life. Real prayer begins and ends with God enthroned. Mm -hmm. How we pray. The way we prayed when we were little, the way we prayed as baby Christians, <laughs> was very egocentric. Dear Lord, gimme, 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 gimme. Lord, make Susie be nice to me. Lord, please get me out of trouble. Lord, help me get this test. I want an A. Help me write a paper and the teacher, you know, they, in our immaturity. And the Father knows that. He's never offended at our prayers. He's always just pleased that we're talking to him. But there should be a progression in our conversation. There should be a progression as, as we get to know him. We have more with which to share our hearts. And our focus changes off of us onto him. One has written, some people have got the beauty of the Rose of Sharon. And there are others who have the fragrance too. Mm. The Rose of Sharon is, is an expression, I mean, it's an actual flower, but it's an expression of, of the aroma, the presence of Jesus, the Rose of Sharon. And I love those times when his presence comes and my senses are quickened and I'm aware through smell that the Lord is present. I don't get that as often as I do through some visual stuff that I get in my eyes, but I love the fragrance. Yeah. Here's, here was a quote I thought was pretty interesting. Many of man asks in April a gift of divine fruit that will be ripe only in June. Anybody just went, Phew. yeah, we want instant gratification. We want immediate results, but we don't understand that some of the things that, that the Lord shares his heart with us, that we come and co-labor, there's a season that's attached to it before we see the fruit of the prayer. Some of us have unsaved family members, friends, and stuff like that, and that would fit right in here. You know, we continue. We, we don't give up because the Lord didn't save them this week. We, we continue to persevere in prayer because we realize that we are, are seeking a future harvest that we're investing our prayer in. So we, may, we must wait for the blessings to come. I want us to look at the Apostle Paul. If you got your Bible, take Acts 9. We'll try to get to the finish line here reasonably. <clears throat> if you didn't bring your Bible, I'll have it on the screen for you. 
beginning of verse 3. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. This is Saul right before he becomes Paul. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go to the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Three days, okay? This is called waiting. Three days, waiting. Mm-hmm. Look, at, look at all the phenomena that takes place in what follows. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called, him, called to him in a vision. Ananias? Sorry. <laughs> and the Lord called in a cell phone. <laughs> Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on straight go to the house of Judas on State Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. <clears throat> this is what Paul is experiencing. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Okay. The three days that Paul's waiting, he has this vision that's about to unfold. Wow. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell off of Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength, and Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. Wow. Dying old night. Sometimes you have involuntary waiting. There's a little difference between involuntary waiting and voluntary waiting. They both equally work God's program <laughs> in your life. It's the Fram Oil commercial. You can pay me now or you can pay me later. <laughs> I, I, ensure, I, I encourage you to, to be waiting in prayer with the Lord voluntarily so that uh, maybe we won't need as many involuntary waitings 
as oftentimes can come. Right now, John Newell's in an involuntary waiting with the Lord. OMG. And as I, as I go into his room and I see the, the ventilator breathing for him, it's not completely breathing for him, he's, he's partially, he's there. And, and I look at all the numbers, I realize that although all this is happening physiologically, that in his spirit, I'm praying for deep and wonderful, precious communion with the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, before he went into a subconscious state, I said, John, I really want you to pay close attention to all that the Lord's going to show you and reveal to you because I want to hear about it when you get done. (laughs) Now, how many know that oftentimes that the Lord reveals stuff to us all the time? I, I believe when we sleep, the Lord's constantly revealing to us an amazing amount of stuff. Just all sorts of stuff. He's doing work inside us. He's healing our hearts. He's changing our thinking. He's getting our neural pathways out of ruts. He's trying to build new highways of, of faith and belief. He's, he's trying to show us more fully who he is. And as he's doing all that stuff, when we wake up, we usually don't remember a thing. That's why if you do have remembrance and you wake up, Don't wait till morning to write it down. Always have some kind of recording device, whether you've got uh, your iPad or your phone or your notebook, pen, paper, you know, get something written down anytime you get a revelation. I've had too many that I've lost, and I grieve over that. I won't go any further, but that don't take those experiences as something that you will remember. So many times I've I've had such a such a dramatic revelation that I think there's no way I'll ever forget that. And by morning I cannot, I cannot get it. Yeah. Makes me sad. Real sad. Mm-hmm. So we've got to take time if we're going to wait. Andrew Murray wrote, great man of prayer, here's the secret of a life of prayer. Take time in the inner chamber to bow down and worship. Wait on him until he unveils himself and takes possession of you and goes out with you to show how a man can live and walk in abiding fellowship with an unseen Lord. Mm. Yeah. Zechariah 2.13 says, Be silent before the Lord, all humanity, for he is springing into action from his holy dwelling. Yeah, let's not miss that. So the second step to world-changing prayer is waiting. After your moments of praise, bring your mind and spirit into a time of complete silence to the world. Think no thoughts, but thoughts of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If words are to be voiced, let them be a quiet whispering like, I love you. (laughs) I long for your presence. Concentrate full attention on the love aspect of God's nature in these minutes of silence.
I think that's really, really, really important because when we finally get quiet and we get all the, the racing of our mind and we, we finally get to that place of being still, I guarantee you the enemy will offer you a false, a false focus. Yes. And it will usually be on yourself or he'll bring back an Old Testament passage where God wiped out everybody with a plague. And I just want to encourage you that when you get to that place in your waiting where you're ready to really focus, be intentional of focusing on his love. Okay? So, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for our time together. Thank you that you are relational in every sense of the word. That you long for us to know what we've known of you in the past but there is so much more that you want us to experience this week, even this day. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would release an appetite for relationship, a hunger and a thirsting that would increase forever and ever. I pray, Father, for those kind of specific revelations that each one of us needs so that we'll know how you want to align us with your heart. I thank you, Father, that you love us so deeply. And so let this day be a day in which we take our relationship to you to another level because you've invited us to come up. And so we come. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.